0: Hi there, and welcome to this episode of Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son sit down and talk about fantasy books. I'm the son of that equation, Zach. And I'm the father, Jim. Great to have you with us for another
1: one of our episodes, especially as we talk about two more fantastic chapters of The
0: Shadow Rising from the Wheel of Time. Zach, how are you doing today, my son? I'm doing pretty well. I think it's been since the last time that we've recorded and stuff. Since then, I got a haircut. So that's, I feel lighter. Good, okay. But no, it's also been kind of start of summer. And while I haven't been spending as much time reading as I might like, it's partially been because I'm actually doing things with people. Very <gasps> weird for me. People. Very good. I uh, did my first disc golf run of the last ah. many, many months yesterday, I was not good. I was, that was my next question. Were you any good? But it's okay. I was better than everyone else because it was ah. their, everyone else's first time trying it.
1: No, oh, so. that's an easy way to be the expert.
0: Exactly. Anyway, how you, are you doing You even Dad? had real discs with you while they just used yours or did they yeah, have no, AT I frisbees? So before I got other nerds willing to play D&D with me, I got people willing to go disc golfing with me so i collected those before i collected dice and i've got like 40 sets of dice so it says something about how many discs i probably have
1: (laughs) well you asked how i'm doing of course fine it's a nice weekend the weather has been very rainy the last two days which is just ironic because we had beautiful days this week we had your Uncle James and to Brandy out with the fantastic the cousins uh, this week, and they had the best weather we've seen all season. And then when we finally got to the weekend, it rained, but had no need to go anywhere. So just been hanging out. Your mother had her birthday on Friday. Mm-hmm. So treated her out to dinner. And then yesterday went and got her birthday present. She wanted a new desk, a work Ooh. desk for the bonus room. It's for her mm-hmm. sewing machine. So her crafting station. She's got a nice little
0: new workstation. She's very happy. Upgrade from the folding table she used before.
1: Exactly. The folding table's <laughs> out in the garage now. She's got an actual place. She can store things. She's she's all happy.
0: Yeah. Should I feel bad that I forgot to mention that the day before Mom's birthday was Rach's birthday? And so we celebrated that too? Yes, you should feel bad
1: now, but only if Rach listens to the episode openings.
0: I don't know. I remembered to wish her happy birthday. I did. So did your mother. And I wished mom. Good.
1: Yay. No one's in the doghouse. Yep. Ooh. Nobody
0: forgot. <laughs> well, I see you're drinking something. What would that be in front of you today, Zach? It is a local made here in Austin cider. It is a, I think a blood orange cider. It's fairly tasty. And I was like, I should put this in a glass instead of just drinking out of the can. It, it'll it look nicer. So I did. All right. But you've got something a little more complex for us, Yes. I do. I'll talk about that in just a moment. I want to reference something
1: from our previous episode. might be, yeah, our previous Watt episode. Your mother does watch the beginning of some of our episodes just to, you know, see what we talk about in this random chit-chat time. Okay. And you were drinking out of your big beaker. And she sees you raise it and she's like, (laughs) (laughs) holy cow, he's drinking so much. And it's just the beaker. It's very funny.
0: But then it's you just, did talk. It was the coke and vodka. Yes. It also <laughs> is a coffee mug of size. Yeah. It was <laughs> funny. Well, I finally had the time to get back to creating a watt tail. Woohoo.
1: I've even got it in my nice wheel of time glass. a wheel there. glass. We like it. And this is themed with something we'll be talking about today. I've called it Coolidins Envy. And it's much sweeter than Kooladin, but definitely as sour as him. Mm. It's got a, an ounce of Midori, an ounce of vodka, three quarters of an ounce of triple sec, half an ounce of bourbon, and then about an ounce of sour mix.
0: You can put a little more in if you want. Shake it over ice, strain, and enjoy. And it's mm. got that nice, kind of topical, almost greenish look for the envy. I like it. Absolutely. Thanks to the Midori.
1: It's almost too good for Kooladin. But Mm. still, green with envy. I like it. Well, before we move into our episode today, let's talk our content. Let's just touch base on some of the things we are enjoying beyond the Wheel of Time. I've noticed there's so much really good stuff to watch right now that for fantasy and sci-fi nerds, it's like almost overwhelming.
0: Yeah, it's a little hard to keep up with all the content and actually do (sighs) all of the content.
1: Yeah, I'm not keeping up
0: oh not a chance
1: i am current with obi-wan kenobi the disney plus has dropped i am as
0: of today as well
1: yeah first three episodes which i believe is halfway through i think it's a six episode run and it's really good i've been enjoying it of course i'm working through the expanse we do plan an episode on the expanse eventually when i'm done watching the tv series and we've got a couple guests want to come on and join us Mm -hmm. for that Uh, to talk about the books and the series on prime and and all about it but i gotta finish the series i'm only on season two there's six so got some work to do so you've got a little bit of binging to do yeah i haven't finished picard yet and Mm. season two of picard is already done so that's waiting i'm like three seasons behind on star trek discovery now Some of these are harder because your mom doesn't get into them. Is it possible to be that many seasons behind there? Uh, Yeah, because isn't there four seasons of Discovery now? I'm going to be honest, I don't know. I only got partway through season two, and your mom wasn't interested anymore. I think that's where I was. Maybe I started season three. I don't know. See, there's so much. It's a blur. The Orville. Are you familiar (laughs) with The Orville?
0: I'm aware. I mean, it's kind of a sci-fi comedy drama correct me if i'm wrong that's seth mcfarland thing yeah 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 and it's it's star trek themed
1: in a sense i watched a few episodes way back when it first came out i really liked it but again your mom didn't get into it and i haven't fitted into my watching there's like a whole new season that's just dropped and i gotta mm-hmm. watch all the past stuff it's good
0: the Boys, season three is out now. I started, watching the first episode of that this weekend as well. I'm looking forward to doing it. I haven't touched it. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely The Boys. <laughs> okay, and definitely not content your mom would
1: want to watch. Not so much. Stranger Things, season four has dropped. I've watched the first... Two seasons. Yeah, I, don't I never know watched. Know if I ever watched three. season three, so I got to go back and watch season three, so I can watch season four. It's so overwhelming. Even one that I've been watching right now, The Hundred, season four is out on Netflix. I never finished yeah. season three. I was almost done, and then got busy, so I went back to rewatch season three, which again I'm almost done with. I'm farther than I got last time, and then I
0: can watch season four. I could be completely wrong, but I th- thought that show finished at this point, right?
1: I don't know. I haven't watched the season that just dropped. Maybe. I think. And, it and that might even have my years off. It might be season four and five.
0: I, it might be know. five and six. It, that one it, is a pretty big one. I'm pretty
1: be.
0: sure. It's... Uh, so much is out there. Honestly, there's more content in there than there were in the books. Which is, And we've got wild. great stuff coming. I mean, the, the Lord of the Rings series is coming up fairly soon. It ought to be good. They spent a lot of money on it. Yeah. I mean, that
1: doesn't always mean it's good. But we can hope. And uh, there's even good things showing up in the movies. Jurassic World Dominion comes out this weekend. Might,
0: this coming weekend, might get me sucked into the theater. It could be great. It could be awful. But either way, there's going to be dinosaurs. So that nerd part of me is going to enjoy it regardless. Is there anything else you've been making a point to watch or excited to watch that I didn't mention? Uh, In the world of sci-fi fantasy stuff? You know, at some point, I might have to hop on our Twitter and correct myself here when I say not that comes to mind, because I'll end up being wrong and realize that I'm forgetting something obvious. But
1: <laughs> we've got Jordo with us in the discord on this live recording. He just asked if Judge Judy reruns count as fantasy. I mean, maybe, maybe. it's definitely not reality. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the midst of all the good content to watch, of course, there's still great things to read. I'm still working my way through the Fiona Bar tapestry a quarter of the way through book two of the trilogy. It's getting better. It's good. Uh, Good, The first book, I had times where I'm like, uh, all right, I I think it's okay. It's not bad. But now in book two, I'm like, no, no, this is good now. I'm I'm really digging it. And uh, The Witcher, I'm on almost the end of book one which is really kind of the third you should read yeah yeah and
0: that was your recommendation to me Mm -hmm. i'm totally into it the witcher's great the crazy thing is just because i've bounced around with things that i've been reading once you finish that book you're as far or further than i am in that
1: series you you haven't gone any more through the witcher
0: oh wow i thought you'd finished it no because i've been reading no i just have been reading other things and so i got like a few books in and then was like i'll come back Okay. But went to go read other things.
1: Now, speaking of reading other things, where are you on your books now?
0: Uh, I'm near the end of the first book in the Broken Earth trilogy, fifth season. So I'm almost done with that one. I'm admittedly going to be a little confused every now and then with our Watt content, because I'm currently re-listening Through the Fires of Heaven. So I'm a little bit ahead of where we are. Mm, mm-hmm. But then, let's see. Next on the list we'll be hopping into a bit of diverse Cosmere stuff. As soon as I finish the fifth season, I'm going into most of the things in Arcanum Unbounded. Okay. Well, it's some good reading. Fills in some pieces here and there.
1: Exactly. I think I think you get the excerpt of White Sand in there too, which is There's a lot of things pretty in there. Good. Yeah. Well, White Sand was intended originally to be a story, but then he ended up publishing it instead as a graphic novel.
0: Which I'm actually personally looking forward to and excited to get the graphic novel versions Mm -hmm. because I think it's interesting and I really appreciate the work that artists put in. Yeah, and it was pretty good. All right. You got anything else before we jump into chapter 34? I think we've spent like 10, 12 minutes on this. Let's go into Let's go into Wheel of Time. Let's do it. Well, this is called He Who Comes With The With the Dawn. And this
1: book illustrates something we're going to experience more and more as we keep going through the Wheel of Time books. And that's where, okay, we were just with one character, Perrin and his group, for like six chapters, seven chapters. I mean big chunk. The rest of our main characters all just kind of disappeared for a while. Now we're jumping back. And actually, we have to jump back in time. We have to jump back and catch up with Rand and Matt and the Aiel, the people he's with. Because we left them at a pretty significant spot. Matt and Rand were on their way out of Ruidian. And then, you know, they're they're heading back to rejoin the rest of the group waiting for them. And and then we just went. It's like they weren't there anymore.
0: We went to parent for a whole bunch of chapters. Now, to be fair, it's very possible we spent a whole lot of time with Rand and Matt, and all that. And then we jumped to Perrin and went back in time. That is and possible. Up. And then we're that here. is possible. It doesn't really explain where exactly in the timeline. These are just that most of these chapters are kind of concurrent. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to yeah. think too hard about it. At this point in the series,
1: there are certain times in the books where things will happen to definitely sync up all the different events. But sometimes it's all right. Yeah. And right now we're just going through major plot experiences of the different characters, but we never get to like finish one. We like do a chunk and then, okay, forget that for a while. Let's go do a different chunk. And that's what we're experiencing ready. That doesn't get better as we go through wheel of time. There's just so many good stories to
0: tell that it's how it works. If we were finishing one at a time, we'd be having more books that were shorter and just each story from each book is one self-contained novel well in this case we are returning to rand and matt
1: they've survived their incredible experiences in ruidian and they're heading across the valley floor headed to the mountain at the end of the valley to get back up to where the aiel are waiting for them to return so let's see what happens now Mm -hmm. you might recall Rand and Matt were shocked to discover that their time in the heart of Ruidian lasted clear through the night. They had no comprehension that much time had passed.
0: But as they're coming out, they can see it's dawn's approaching. It's going to be the sun just coming over the horizon of those mountains. and So they know it clearly has been through the night. They went in Mm -hmm. still midday to maybe closer to evening. Yeah.
1: And seeing, as you mentioned, the it's getting lighter. They're kind of encouraged to move faster. Mufasa, move faster, Mufasa. Move faster.
0: No, they're not getting trampled by wildebeests.
1: <laughs> when the sun hits up, though, they'll feel like it. Because, man, it's just going to punch them with the oppressive heat. They're in the kind of the coolness right now that a desert does at night. You know, it doesn't retain heat. So it's it's kind of cool. But they're not feeling their best right now. They're pretty banged up so it would be nice to get back before it becomes really brutal out here. Now, can you remind us of, I mean, they're, they're doing their best. They're making their best time. They're kind of jogging, but it's like mm-hmm. a real lame jogging. Why are they so banged up?
0: What, what have they been through? Because while they were in Ruidian, there, leaving, these weird dust shapes kept appearing and trying to kill them. Presumably one of these bubbles of Can we evil. call them dust devils? dust devil is a a great term yeah and rand uh realized he could be destroying them with the power which was good but they also were still quite banged up yes they've got nicks and cuts all over the place it's kind of like they went through barbed wire you know
1: they're, they're bleeding they're bleeding profusely i mean it's nothing's a major i'm gonna die bleeding but all these you know death death by a thousand cuts okay they're they're really sore worn down from it, and that's on top of the fact that they went through what they individually went through in Ruidian, which took Mm -hmm. a lot out of them. In fact, Rand, we're in his point of view, and he notes, kind of as a sign of how bad things are, that Matt's not complaining. He's a big complainer. He complains about every little thing.
0: If there's one thing you can count on him for, it's that he's going to run his mouth. The fact that he's not complaining just
1: emphasizes how bad he feels he doesn't even have the energy to complain now rand's not quite that bad but he's also being fairly silent because his mind is consumed with what this means now to get back to the aiel he wants to get there for matt get him the help he needs and they can get some water they're feeling very thirsty uh, get into the shade before the sun comes up that's his thoughts But he's also thinking about the prophecy he's going to be fulfilling. Because he's looking around. Okay, it's going to be pretty on the nose here
0: that he's going to be he who comes with the dawn. It's a term he knows. It's a term the Aiel are looking for. They were like, think it might be you. It's looking like it might be him. Right. And then he thinks of the other things he's heard with
1: that prophecy. Specifically these words. He will bind you together. He will take you back and destroy you. Yeah, that's rough. He dreads the idea of destroying anybody. There's been enough already of of fighting and destruction around him. He doesn't want to break things. I mean, he's got a history. He's a dragon. He broke the world. You know, he doesn't want to break things. So he's thinking, what is this going to mean? But at the same time, he acknowledges he must be what he must be. He's got to fulfill his destiny. Because what's the alternative, Zach, if he doesn't power through?
0: Well, if he doesn't power through, if he doesn't successfully Dragon Reborn, I guess, and face the Dark One in the last battle, well, he's seen it. Flicker, 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 over and over and over again. And each time, he doesn't win. I win again, lose
1: Theron. Yeah, he does not want to see the Dark One win. That's the alternative. He's got to do what he's got to do. By the way, I'll take a a side comment here to to mention how much I appreciate when you are on an episode with me.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Those
1: who are listening to all of our content know that there are some just gym episodes that get dropped out now. Yeah, I don't get to drink as much. Oh, I I get parched. I feel like Matt and Rand coming out of Ruidian because every time I take a moment to drink, there's just silence. And the crickets are overwhelming.
0: So what I'm hearing is you like me being here so that you can drink more while I talk. Yes. Cool. <laughs> now, there was one of my Just gym
1: episodes that Jordo was with me and he was like almost as good as you. He
0: had so much he's throwing in. Oh, I bet he was better than me. I'll be honest.
1: Except I had to read all his comments. So, mm. so it was still not letting me drink is the problem. So thank you for being here, son. Okay. <laughs> all the things he's been doing, Rand, and experiencing so far as the dragon reborn. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw Jordo's comment. <laughs> I am he who comes with the dawn every time I bring home the dish soap. We use done, so I get that. <laughs> okay, all these things, Rand's experiences as a dragon reborn. They have an opportunity to shift with his connection with the Aiel. Mm-hmm. And this is really important to Rand. You know, the experience he's had with the people in Tear, with uh, things like that happened out at Falme, the tensions with Aes Sedai, all the things he's had up to this point have been a certain way as the
0: Dragon Reborn. Or at least a certain of one or two or three ways, none of which are ideal. Right. And he's hoping for something new with the Aiel. Mm -hmm. So what
1: is it that he's had to put up with
0: in all the other interactions? He wants to avoid the Aes Sedai or even the Forsaken who want to just use him as tools to their own ambitions or their own plots and devices. But even then going a little lower on the totem pole, the various lords and ladies, the court and tier that he had to deal with, who not only had their own agendas that they were trying to use him for, but then sometimes only doing what he said out of fear or trying to resist him out of some obscene hatred. There's so much involved that are often personal things. And with the Aeol, he's hoping that by being this he who comes with the dawn, he can get a group of people who will follow him who will actually do it not because they're trying to use him to something they want or because they're afraid of what he will do to them if they don't follow but because they believe in following him yes
1: someone who's actually glad to see him who want to support him this just
0: be a huge someone he could trust of course as he remembers the he will take you back and destroy you there there's got to be that thought of going And they may not be completely open-armed. This is where there are some tensions, absolutely.
1: Now, the sun bursts out in all its oppressive heat before they can even begin the climb up the mountain slope. So as they're climbing up now, the sun's beating down on them, and they're just so tired and so thirsty. And looking ahead, as they approach the wise Wise One's tents, they see Bear, the Wise One Bear, waiting for them, holding a water bag in her hands, (laughs) as opposed to what my notes says. Oh, no. Because now I'm picturing that. I had a typo. It says holding a water bed in her hands. (laughs) Holding a water bed. I mean, you could drink it. I don't recommend it. They would never use a water bed in the I.O. Waste. No. No, they wouldn't. (laughs) Okay. So this water bag is just dripping with condensation, it's almost like they're dreaming of all water. But before they can get there, before they can get
0: the water from her, they have an encounter with Sucky Kuladin. What's his deal, Zach? I mean, we knew previously what his deal was, the whole mess, but it's been a few chapters. So to kind of recap, he's there with the Shido, and his brother, Muradin, I think the name is, Mm -hmm. he had gone into Ruidian and was going to be doing the whole process, become a clan chief, whole thing. And Rand saw him doing it. Yeah, yeah. Rand saw him doing it. And clawing his eyes out, Rand knows he's not coming back. And yeah. doesn't necessarily. No. But there's a lot of tension. And he's definitely sitting on the side of, well, if he doesn't come back, I'm going in. And the wise one said no. And where he's going off now is he sees Rand and Matt.
1: And he knows his brother went in two days before they did. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, oh, no, 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 no. These wetlanders have come out and my brother has not. What did they do to him? They must have done something to him because there's no way they
0: survived if he did not. That's what he's seeing. And technically speaking, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because he says as much shortly. And what he does is
1: more than just say things. He throws a spear at Rand. He's made that accusation and then tries to kill him. And he's not alone. Two other of the Shido with him also throw spears. So suddenly there's three projectiles flying right out at Rand and Matt. Rand, on instinct, summons his Sidine sword and foom, foom, a couple of sword forms takes care of two of the spears, and Matt, with his nifty new black staff, foom, chucks the other one out of the way. Now their use of such weapons sets coolidan and his Aiel even further off, because mm-hmm. well, I'll ask you why in a moment, but the, the demonstration of how they get set off is a dozen more spears flying right at them. Yeah. What was the big deal about weapons? They have weapons. What what?
0: They weren't allowed to take any in with them. That's right. It's By forbidden. Tradition, you cannot. Oh, but... It is forbidden. Now, what Coolidan doesn't understand here is that A, Matt didn't. His came from there. And B, that's like saying you can't take in your hands and feet. Rand can't exactly just like put that down.
1: No, it's it's just part of him now. He can he summon the that weapon. effortlessly.
0: Yep. I want to give Jordo great
1: props here for a watt tail I could have created here now. When you referenced Muradin clawing his eyes out, he said it, we should have had a red, kind of like martini with two olives floating in it. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I know I'm it's okay. bad, but that's good.
0: <laughs> you can make that one on your own. I'm not a fan of olives.
1: <laughs> oh, I love olives.
0: Man, I... hmm. I miss the opportunity, I feel like, on that one. I would say definitely the ones with what is it that is inside of it? Um, The starts with the P.
1: Yeah, those things slip in my mind at the Clearly, moment.
0: Clearly, I don't know because I don't like to eat them. <laughs> so it's not worth remembering. So, yeah, it's forbidden to take weapons down into Ruidian.
1: Now there's a dozen more spears coming at them. Rand and Matt, they both duck separate directions out of the way. But I think we see a little Taviran business happen then because these 12 spears all gather together as they're flying, crash into each other and bounce away from each other and land point down in a perfect circle around where Rand had been standing. If he hadn't moved, he'd just be surrounded by a circle of spears.
0: Now I want, I want to call bull on that a little bit (laughs) just because Rand's tall. Because For it to have landed in a perfect circle around him. And then drop straight down. Yeah. No, 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 no. Because for that to happen, they would have had to be throwing so high, they were super overthrowing. Tavirin-ish laws of physics breaking. I am not going breaking physics on this. I'm just saying, I'm super down for it. But realistically, you would have needed to make, like, it hits and makes a V around him. You do a full circle, he was still standing there. He's still taking a spear to the head. Pimentos i'm glad someone out there was screaming at the screen pimentos
1: you idiots green olives with pimentos in them so there you go i'm glad i gave
0: you the time with my little rant to figure that out (laughs) all right
1: so when this happens and the laws of physics are broken or whatever everyone's kind of like oh what the heck and it's silent for a moment well, Bear takes that opportunity to step into this and shout down the piece of Ruidian. What are you doing, you idiot? Stop this. She also confirms, Rand and Matt did not take any weapons into there. We checked. We made sure. We kept all their weapons. And we had that scene. Rand kept, or Matt kept pulling daggers out of every nook and cranny. Mm-hmm. pulling one out of his butt. I mean, everywhere he had them and he dropped them. So he had nothing.
0: I think you meant to say boot.
1: No, I said, but, but yeah, okay. And uh, they had no weapons. And she looks at Rand and she's like, put that away. <laughs> His glowing side, side, side sword. It's like, yeah, put that away. So, okay, that's gone. And then she does turn on Matt and that uh, you found that he's like, no, I was given it. I paid for this. I earned it. And no one's taking it from me. And she's like, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah.
0: He's a little sensitive. Maybe He's like, you look like you're about to die, but also I don't want to challenge you with a two foot sword blade on the end of that quarter staff. Right.
1: So she wants to get this resolved though, before the next three dozen spears come flying from the shadow. You know, we've got a gap here. So she tells Rand, hurry up and show the signs. Rand's like, huh? What signs? And then it dawns on him. He who comes with the dawn, things are slow to dawn on. But he pulls up his left sleeve and, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, look. You know, sure enough, he's got the big dragon swirling around his arm, just like Ruark had shown he had back in Tyr and said, this is what someone who goes to Ruidian, a clan chief, comes back. He has a sign. So he's showing it for everybody. I've got the I've got the sign, opened up my mind. Okay, anyways. And there's murmurs and there's mutters, oh, he's got the thing. Oh, how does he have the thing? He's got Mm -hmm. the strength, you know, all that. And while that murmur is happening, people are more people are gathering. So Ruark, the Aiel that are with him, uh, Lan, Egwene, and the more of the wise women, they're all gathering now and they're seeing this stuff. But after some moments of holding this up all out and proud now, Brand realizes they're still looking at him, the wise women. They're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And he's stumped now. He doesn't know what they want. And Bear mutters, fool, man, all of the signs. And she grabs his
0: right arm and pulls that thing up. And, oh, look, I got another one. They're really expectant of him, considering he knows literally nothing about what's supposed to have happened. Right. But he has these dragons on both forearms,
1: which is not... What usually happens, like that's never happened, but that's the prophecy. That was the sign of the Karakarn, the chief of chiefs, and Bear. Rand notices when she pulls it. She's like, "And look, the other sign." But he also was like, "And I really hope it's there." And it shows up. He physically sees her go. (sighs) She was sure it was there, but what if it hadn't been? (laughs) That was that was okay. So. She's relieved to see it's there. He is clearly the, he who comes with the dawn, the answer to prophecy, the Karakarn. And that's good? Well, yeah. I mean, Jordo puts it in discord and there was much rejoicing, except- Not so much. Nope. Now in Rand's mind, you know, he's read the stories when someone comes along and they're they're revealed as the prophesied one, the leader that everyone is like, oh. And they all bow or rejoice or something. But what happens here is they all just kind of go back to their tents.
0: Yeah. He's mostly just left. Kind of anticlimactic there. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, what just happened? Did I do it right? Did I do something wrong? What happened? Rand's
1: also then left just with his thoughts. And he's thinking about, okay, that line from the prophecies of the dragon. Mm -hmm. Twice and twice shall he be marked. Now, he already had the two heron marks on his palms. Mm -hmm. But now he's like, ah, the other twice. I've got two dragons now, too. Which then takes him to, okay, and what are those markings for? One of them said, remembrance
0: lost. Once marked for remembrance lost. Now, we know what that's about now. The things that he has learned, seen, remembered. These lost things to most people, but he's remembering them.
1: Yeah, the whole history of the Aiel. Exactly.
0: But the other thing, the other markings is
1: for the price he must pay. That's a little ominous. It's like, ah, uh, what will that be? When will he have to pay it now? How many
0: others will have to pay? I'm sure it's going to be like a like a small fee, like like a, a parking toll, ticket. Toll road. So he's stuck with deep thoughts now. <laughs> the atm v i mean honestly maybe he can just like take the feet of the creator and be like this wasn't actually like no it's uh no no deal let's not do he it he said
1: no he said going to the creator sir can i get this validated <laughs> i don't have to pay this
0: <laughs> i mean i did you know have to be the dragon reborn against the dark one or whatever so like feel like maybe maybe it could be on your tab <laughs> the reaction of the Aiel, though, again, it, it's not at all what Rand expected.
1: And, I mean, he did what he's supposed to do, and this is what he gets, so hmm, he's a little baffled here. But he's not completely alone. Egwene, some of the wise ones, do come over to him, and Ruark and Lan, they're still around. And in conversation with Egwene, specifically, uh, they get some information. First of all, Moraine and Avienda are still down in Ruidian. Matt's like, see? I told you that that naked babe running past us was
0: Avienda. I told you. But Moraine, they had no idea Moraine was in there too. Well, she's short. You miss her really easily. Oh.
1: We also learn here now it's been not a whole day that they were down there. It's been seven days. That's unfortunate. Oh. And we also learn that means Moraine, Avienda, they've been down there seven days. Mm-hmm. If they're not back within ten, they won't be coming back. That's what the Aiel
0: have learned over the years. Ten you know, days is the most. If Brand hadn't seen Muradin already, you know, literally clawing his face off, he'd still have a day to come back, so he it would. could be possible. In a sense, Coolidin gave up too early. He still has another day. What's the deal, man? Yeah. Well, I think Coolidin wanted to go into Ruidian. Nah, it
1: could be. Rand turns to the wise ones then and says, Hey, can you guys heal Matt? I know you guys can channel. Can you just use that now? Let's pre- let's stop pretending you don't know this stuff and heal him. They're like, um, no. That's not something we actually train in. I mean, no. there are wise ones who have ability
0: to do some healing, but none of us here. Uh, we didn't learn that stuff. It's kind of crazy because in their society... It- you would think being wounded is something that happens relatively yeah. frequently. So, sure, they learn how to hurl pillars but the of heal. fire. Dude, but healing... they're like, it's just a flesh wound.
1: You know, they don't pretend any wounds or anything significant. Still hurts, <laughs> but you lose toe if you uh... no, you lose g-, g if you admit it hurts. And I... Then you have toe to the person who knows it they hurts. hurt you.
0: Sure. Allowing for medical attention? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, we saw Bane, Chiad, and Gaul treating each other's wounds.
1: Rand is not happy to hear they can't heal him. It's like, seriously, what? And Egwene, she tosses into the conversation, Rand, even among the Aes Sedai, not all are strong in healing. The best are yellow Aja, but then she references even sheriam the mistress of novices. The best she can do is heal a, str- a scratch, okay? This is not a thing everybody is
0: capable of doing just because they can channel. I mean, for that matter, Rand can't do it. Oh, we don't know that yet. Well, he didn't just turn to Matt and go, I'll
1: fix you. Oh, good point. If you need me to cut someone, I can pull up a sword. But yeah, I I really feel bad I dissed you on that now. It's like, dude, you can channel. How come you didn't heal him yet? Yeah, yeah, good point. The wise ones said, Ran, let's get you to our tents and we can give attention to you. Uh Ruark, take Matt to your tents and you guys can work on him. And Rand's like, wait a second. No. He comes with me. I want everybody to come with me. We'll all go to the wise one tents. And the wise ones were like, hey, wait, wait, wait. That's not how this works. We say things, people do it. And Rand says, I don't care, I bring change. Exactly. Get used to it. I'm gonna change some things. Now, why does he want them all to stay together? Well, there's a couple of key things. What What is it, Zach?
0: Why does he want to keep them all with him? Honestly, I think the biggest thing is as he moves forward, as he's doing the plans that he wants, he has this picture of the Aiel being a people who can lead and that can follow him, and he can't fall into what he's experienced in the past. And he sees too much of Aes Sedai manipulation in these wise ones. Mm, yeah. Yeah, we need to set the tone now. I'm not going to hop to your tune.
1: I'm going to set the agenda. You're going to work with me. Not necessarily do you have to work for me, but you're going to work with me. I'm not just doing what you say. Okay, that's one thing. But he also wanted to keep Ruark with him specifically because Ruark's a clan chief. He probably knows some things that happens in Ruidian that Rand experienced, and man-to-man, we can talk about this.
0: Wise ones are going to be wise ones, but Ruark is my guy. It's like, we've probably seen a lot of the same things. Give it to me straight, please. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, through conversation, Rand starts to learn a few things, and thus so do we. First... (laughs) He was wondering why Lan was here when Moraine is down in Ruidian. And he learns, well, they had to deceive Lan at first, distract him so he didn't know Moraine left. And then when he did discover it, they physically
0: had to restrain him for like half a day because he wanted to go after her. Now, I have to wonder, did they just have like 15 Iyil holding him back or did they use the power? Ah, who knows? They may have had to
1: channel to hold him in place. It's true eventually they convinced him there's no point in going down there he would never find her but they're also like i mean that's what he says they convinced me they're like you fool man if you had gone you would have died okay
0: so sure we convinced you i don't know i'm if there's one person in the series who might not have died i'd put it to land the reaction of the aiel Ran learns a little bit why they're not just going,
1: oh, master, oh, the cart, You know, why there's uh, different kind of reactions here. Well, part of it's due to concern over what it really means. Because all the leaders know the prophecy, which means they know he's there to bind them and destroy them. Yeah. They don't want to be bound to anything. They've been very independent as their own clans for a long time. And this destroy part, yeah, nobody likes being destroyed. So it's one thing to know the prophecy we await, the Karakarn. It's a whole other thing to be confronted with, oh, the dude's actually here. It's kind of unsettling. Their minds are going, what does this mean? Then Rand wants to talk about what he saw in Ruidian. And the wise ones are like, no, 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 this this is forbidden. We, we do not talk with others. I mean, if you really want to talk about it, we'll send everyone out of the tents who wasn't down there. And he's like, no. He literally says what you referenced earlier. Here's the quote. I mean to change what is
0: permitted and what isn't. Become used to it. Ooh. Which is incredibly rude of a way to put Like, he didn't have to put it that way, but in a certain to a certain extent, I don't blame him because he's literally tired and bloodied mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and going, I am too tired to deal with this bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So talking about this stuff, then he's just
1: putting it out here. We learn that no one sees the same things when they walk through the glass columns until you get back far enough in history. So when you get back to the sharing of water that happened and the agreement of mm-hmm. Ruidian, those things everybody sees, but the other visions appear to be tied to your bloodlines. You're actually following back
0: and, and experiencing things through your personal ancestors. Which to a certain extent, I go, you're doing that the whole time. But you go far enough back, the lines we have shared ancestry tend to trace together enough. It's like right, you, if you we could go, go, go far to enough this back person or that person or that person or that person. But this is the person that's important for everyone to see from and everyone shares blood with them. See, if we had that personal experience, we'd all see Noah's Ark.
1: We'd all end up there. But now, of course, not everybody who is listening necessarily agrees that. But from our perspective, we'd all see Noah's Ark because, okay, there's a bloodline and then it diverges from there. Same thing here. They all are going to see the sharing of the water because everyone left. (laughs) They were at that point.
0: There's no Aiel who are still around today that don't in some way share blood back to that point. Exactly.
1: This whole revelation drives something home for Rand in a very real way then. Something he he mentally kind of believed, but now it's real. What is that, Zach? Yeah, if he's seeing his own bloodline, Zach, mm-hmm. this means 100% what? He's Aiel. Yeah, there's no doubting it anymore. In no way could Tam
0: Althor be his father and and carry Althor his mother. No, nope. And the wise ones told him as much because he claimed blood when he was wanting to go in and then told him, no, the other way around, uh, it's not your mom, your dad was Iel, And he was kind of confused on that point, but maybe we'll learn more shortly. Mm, indeed.
1: Also in this conversation, we get confirmation that that sharing of water thing that was seen was the ancestors of the people of Kyrian, showing kindness to the Aiel? Ruark notes, it took us many years, a long time to discover those people were the ancestors of the Kyrianids. But once we knew it, that's why we made the gift to them of the cutting of Aventasora that grew into... You say this better. Aventoral Dera. Thank you. And that when then Laman cut it down to make a throne... We came over to kill him, his punishment for that. Now, Ruark also shares that, alas, this whole incident with layman's sin drove home for the many Aiel like Kuladin, that wetlanders just cannot be trusted. Look what we did for them. Look what they did. And when they look, when Kuladin, the Shido, when they look at Rand, they see a wetlander. Not his ancestry, you're connected to Aiel, no. BS. We see a wetlander, wetlanders can't be trusted, we hate you.
0: That's kind of really prejudiced but also has some basis in things that did happen. Yeah. Yeah. Now Rand, he takes a moment
1: here to partly be just odd at all of this cuz he recognizes the weaving of the pattern. Now, I'll give a disclaimer to everybody here. I have notes. Sometimes I have suggestions that Zach might consider when he responds to things. I gave him nothing on this one. So I just want to say, Zach, how so? How is Rand awed
0: by this? If I'm guessing at what you're fishing at, it's all the little bits and pieces of Ancestry and that this specific person would have a kid at this time and then get picked up by Tam and then carried to the two rivers. But then let's go a step further and go well, if Layman hadn't ever cut down that tree, the Aeol wouldn't have come in, and Rand wouldn't have born, been born on the slope of Dragon Mount. Let's go a step further back. If the Aeol hadn't been given water by these other random people that happened to turn into the Kyrian, and then they never would have been given the tree to be cut down, to have the Aeol go in, to have Rand be born, to have them go down to the two rivers to eventually become Rand the Dragon Reborn. And it's a whole convoluted mess that any one little thing... Three thousand years ago, that had been different, would have changed everything. Yes, you nailed it. And he's like,
1: "Holy crap! <laughs> this is just—I mean, the whole thing with Layman's Sin had to happen for Rand to happen.
0: Wow." I like what Jordo puts in to the Discord. It even goes as far back as if Luce Theron hadn't blown himself up and made a volcano. It wouldn't have been a place for Bran to be born.
1: Dragon Mount needed to exist. Yeah. Wow. At the end of his ruminations, he even gets to the fact that, okay, so all this stuff being woven into the pattern, the creator has to be out of his blooming mind (laughs) because he's now brought all this to its culmination and three freaking farm boys from the two rivers who happen to be Taviran are going to pull all this
0: off? You say that? Really? But it brings an interesting philosophical question that's probably a question for another time, but I'm just going to throw it out into the ether. Throw it out? Does the creator weave the pattern? After all, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. This is what Rand thinks, though, at the moment. The creator created the wheel. So when the wheel weaves the pattern. So we'll come back to this at another episode to really deep dive into what do we think? Who's really got the autonomy here?
1: One more key comment comes to Rand from Lan and Ruark here. They basically say, uh, watch out for Kuladin. Because they recognize he's got ambition driving him as the major force. But he's also definitely got some hatred for Rand mixed in. And it's like, okay, they all saw two dragons. He's the Karakarn. But Kuladin hasn't been to Ruidian. He doesn't know the stories. He doesn't know the back history. He no. thinks he already knows everything he needs to know, and he's 100% he's right. So, fine. There's these prophecies about this guy, whatever. They won't matter if he's dead. That's Coolidin's perspective. So, if he manages to remove Rand from the equation before anyone even knows he was a thing, it won't matter. He'll take Rand out in a heartbeat if he has a chance. And Rand just shakes his head a bit. He's like, they should have been right there for me when I was revealed as the answer to prophecy. But nope, that's not how real life
0: works. No, that'd be too easy. Yeah. Real life is a, it's this thing of
1: messy. Yeah. Now they make it to the wise one's tents then. Rand and Matt's wounds are being tended to. But even as that's being done, the conversations continue and we get. To a plan for what's going to happen next. Because hmm. they have to counteract whatever shenanigans Kulidan might get up to to try to interfere with what should happen. Rand's like, We have to spread the word of what has taken place here that I am the Karakarn. We have to do this as fast as possible. So, how can we send messages to the clan chiefs to gather them together to share the news? And he learns of a place called Al Dal which is the closest place to where they are. Now, it's not close, but the no. closest place to where they are where you gather for significant events.
0: And it's specifically actually like useful for this occasion because it resonates acoustically. It's a natural amphitheater. There's a place in it where you can stand and yeah. be heard for the entire distance. Also, and there's a few of these places around the waist,
1: they have... Something like the piece of Ruidian there. It's not quite as strong, but there's an understanding when you come for a special event that's bringing the IEL together. You don't kill you people. shouldn't kill <laughs> each other. Yeah. You come with a little bit of, let's be good here. Okay. There's a shared purpose. So Rand's like, can we get messages sent out? And it, they're like, it will take months to get all the way out to where all, I mean, the, the waste is vast to all the people and get them all headed to al Kildar, It's going to take a long time. But Ruark says, but there's a faster way. Can we have you, turn to the Wise Ones? Can we have you dream it to the other Wise Ones and inform all the clan chiefs? So apparently all the clan chiefs have Wise Ones with them and use that as a telecommunication. And in that way,
0: they all get the message very quickly and start heading to al Dal. Now, you say they use that as like a telecommunication, but didn't we cover previously that the only dreamers of the wise ones are four of the ones that are there? Yes and no. Yes, they're the dreamers. Do you have to be a dreamer to receive information in a No, day? I'm just saying if they're the only ones who can send information, that severely limits who can send out information. Yes,
1: so you've got four people to send all the messages. And that's exactly what they turn around and say, okay, fine, we could work on that. That's not overnight, okay? We can only talk to so many people in an evening. So it's still going to take us a number of days to spread the message. We could do it. And Rand's like, will you? Lays it on a little heavy. And they're like, yes. You know, they agree to get the message pushed out that way. Partly, though, they also say, but why? I mean, what's the rush? Why do you need it so urgently that we get going? And here Rand shares a little what's in his head here. He's like, basically, there's no time. Mm -hmm. If we jump back a little bit, he used the portal stone to To jump them to Ruidian, and it was all about time. He's trying to stay ahead of the Forsaken, who have their own plans going on. And he says to them now, there are still nine Forsaken out there somewhere. Some of them want to kill me. The others think they can use me. They're scheming. They're doing things. And I have to stay two steps ahead of them if this is going to work. So the IEL, we have to get them to rally behind me as soon as possible so that I can then move on to the addressing the next tasks that I have to do before the last battle. And we don't know how much time we have left. I can pretty much guarantee you we don't have as much time as we need. It's probably within
0: the decade We gotta move. And it'd be nice if we had like 40, 50 years still. Don't think we're getting that. So ironically, flowing for this conversation,
1: Rand then shifts to talk about something totally different for a while. (laughs) And now for something completely different. He takes time to segue into something, yeah, completely different. He asks about his parents. Specifically about his mom. If you remember earlier, Egwene had asked because they had made comment about seeing his mother's eyes you know, in Rand and, and mm-hmm. she wanted to know. And they said, no, nope, that information is for Rand and for him to choose what to do with it. But Egwene happens to still be in the room when Rand actually says, tell me about my mother. So it turns out if she had just waited, she wouldn't have had to ask. So here we get some details. Let's share these. These are really Really significant
0: details that we won't go too deeply into.
1: Yeah, some of them are so significant we can't tell you why. Spoiler light. Okay. First, the I.E.O. first came upon Rand's mother as a golden-haired young Wetlander in silk, riding a fine mare and leading a pack horse straight out into the Waste. Now, if it had been a man, they would have killed him. Entering the Waste unwelcome. No, you die. The death sentence. But this was maidens of the spear that found her. And if you remember, they don't kill women who aren't attacking them. She was unarmed. If they're armed, then anything goes. Yeah, she had no weapons other than a little belt knife. They saw that. So they just stayed out of sight and they observed. And they watched as she kept going on and on into the waste, even as her animals died, even as she ran out of food and water. She just kept on going until she literally collapsed from thirst and exhaustion and could go no more. Then they approached her and they gave her some water. Took a day to bring her back to where she could actually talk and they asked for her story. What's the deal? And she gave herself
0: the name Sha'il, which is old tongue. Probably not her real name, but it's the name she went by. That's right. It specifically means woman who
1: is dedicated. The A'il knew that. No other name, that's am Sha'il. She spoke to them of having abandoned a child and left a husband who she didn't love, but she wouldn't say anything else about where she'd come from. They sense, though, and they mention here now, she never really forgave herself for leaving her son behind, having to abandon him. Now, having to ties to the fact that she came to the Ayahuas like this specifically to find the maidens of the spear because of an Aes Sedai. Gatara Moroso had a foretelling that disaster would befall Sha'il's land and her people, and perhaps even the whole world, unless she did this. She needed to drop everything and tell no one, and just head out to the waste to try
0: to find the maidens and become a maiden of the spirit. Now, I need to ask, because I don't remember, at this point in the books, have we heard the name Katara Moroso in a different context yet? I'm asking you and Jordo because I'm not positive, and if See, not, I won't say anything.
1: Because we read the whole series, we've totally heard her name. Have we heard it to this point? I think so, because I Rand so seems too. to think he's heard the name, and I believe Egwene's heard the name. I wouldn't be positive on that one actually, but I know Rand has because he was told a little of the backstory of why Swan and Moraine. Knew to look for him,
0: yes, and that's where
1: I was going with this. So, Gatara Moroso was an Aes Sedai who had the gift of foretelling, like Elida, she had prophesied when he was born. Well, apparently, she'd prophesied more earlier to get the ball rolling. (laughs) It's because of her that Shail left everything, headed out to become a maiden, and she has the information in this prophecy that she may not return to her lands until the maidens go to tar Now, she tells all this to these maidens, and they're like, man, this this lady's lost it because we don't go across the dragon wall. We, we just don't do that, so we're never going back to tar I mean, what? No. But nevertheless, she impresses them with how persistent she is she might be a little loony but she wants to be a maiden and they're like all right i mean what harm will it do to let you try
0: i mean if if you want to try it'll probably do a lot of harm to you (laughs) perhaps she
1: surprises them though and within a year she accomplishes the task she has met all the requirements, she has risen to the level of being welcomed
0: and adopted into the Jumai Sept of the Tardad Aiel as a maiden of the spear. Because, truthfully, she is true to her chosen name. She is dedicated.
1: Yes. And you know Aiel. They don't throw pity or little, you know, we will throw you a a little bone because you tried so hard. No, you have to earn it with the Aiel. Mm -hmm. So she became... A maiden of the spear. And from the story, Rand infers that years later, she finally does return with the Aiel to Tarvalon because it's three years after she became a maiden that Layman cut down the tree and starts a war. So as part of that war, somehow she ends up dying on the slopes of Dragonmount, giving birth to him. Now, he wants to know, okay, so tell me more. Where is all this coming? How does my father come into this? And so we learn about Grand's father, Janduin. You say Janduin? That's how I say it. How do you say it? John Duin. John Duin.
0: Could be. Janduin is what's in my head, but John I'm Duin I'm down. I'm gonna go with whatever. It's not a name I feel like I'm gonna have to say a lot.
1: John Duin fits more with the fancy ways I tend to pronounce things from Andor.
0: It also fits more with how I do Aiel pronunciations usually, but it's very old-tonguey. Well, Rand is told he looks more like his mother than his father.
1: He's told his father was the clan chief of the Tardad Aiel. And he was the youngest clan chief in memory, which means he was no schmuck. If you become a clan chief young, it means you've impressed people. You're mm-hmm. gifted. And he was you also gifted. probably were
0: unlucky enough to have the clan chief before you die at the right time.
1: Well, no, yes and no. The clan chief's going to die at some point. There are other people. It's not hereditary.
0: There are other people who could have become the next clan chief. This young guy becomes it. If you're impressive enough to be next to be clan chief and you're like 20, that's super impressive. You still then have to have the guy above you die. Yes, but
1: everybody dies at some point i mean they die when they die he could have been 75 and happy and died during sex you know it doesn't matter
0: mm-hmm. he
1: died and there could have been a 50-year-old guy who was the next in line logically but somehow janduin impresses everyone enough he's the one chosen as the next clan chief he's described as a gifted and persuasive leader he brought peace between some of the aiel clans he ended blood feuds between the Tardad and a couple of others, and and maybe would have even done more. So he was really a next-level leader, and then Layman cut down the stinking tree. Yeah. Because he was such a gifted leader, he ends up being the one who leads the Aiel over the Dragon Wall.
0: Now, granted, he doesn't lead all the Aiel, but he leads more than just his. All the ones that went, yes, the few
1: clans that went over to execute Layman, Janduin is the one who's in charge. Now, Rand's figured out something now. They keep saying was, was the leader of the Tardad. Was, was, was. He's also connected. Wait, 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 wait. Ruark is the leader of the Tardad. What does this now mean very clearly for
0: Rand? Janduin's dead. Yeah. So my mom's dead. Yeah, my dad's dead too. I got no parents. I'm an orphan. I think we're going to hold on to Tam then because mom's dead. Dad's dead. Adoptive mom's dead. Let's hope Tam's still alive. We saw him in parents' <laughs> chapter. He's still okay. Uh, Rand does
1: ask, so how did and die? And we learned some key information. I mean, I'm going to say, this is spoiler light. This is key information that we can't tell you why. Unless you stick around for the spoiler room, and I'm sure one of us is going to spoil the heck out of this part. Three years into the effort to address Layman's sin, Sha'il, a maiden of the spear, over there, because she's part of Janduin's Tardad A'il, she becomes pregnant. It didn't just happen. She and Janduin were a thing. Okay. Now, when she got pregnant, she should have returned to the Threefold Land, because as a maiden, you're forbidden to carry the spears while carrying a child. Makes sense. Sha'il, however, refused to leave, and Janduin could never deny her anything. It's like, uh, dear, you're supposed to go back. I don't want
0: to. Oh, okay, dear. So he pulled strings and said, I'm in charge. I guess you get to stay.
1: So she did stay and was there at the last fight before Dar- before the shining walls of Tarvalan, where she was lost, as was her child then. And Janduin could never forgive himself then for not making her obey the law of the Ail. His mm-hmm. choice to allow her to stay against tradition... Cost him, cost him losing her, losing the child. And as a result, he gives up his position as clan chief. Now, you don't do that. You're clan chief for life. He was literally told you you can't do that. And he just walks away. I'm out. And doesn't just walk away to a retirement home. No, he gets together with some of the young IEL, the young men who like to go north to the blight and hunt trollocs and Murderl. And he goes with them.
0: He's going hunting. He's going to the retirement home known as the Blight.
1: And some of the men he was with return later and share he was killed. But not by a Trolloc. Not by a Fade. He was killed by a man. And a man who looked like Sha'il. And perhaps because of that, maybe the, the resemblance, they said Janduin wouldn't even
0: raise his spear as the man drove him through. It wasn't even like a freeze, but a refusal. Again, so much to
1: comprehend here, but we're not talking about that anymore unless you are a <laughs> Wheel of Time expert and you can stick around for the spoiler room. Okay. Anyway, Rand is left with all this information going, I don't know what I should do with this now. I don't know how to feel. I feel a little numb. They bring food out and he's like, no, I'm not hungry right now. I just, uh, I'm a little off. I'm just going to go sit over here. And he sits by the edge of the tent where he can see down the slope of the mountain. He's watching. He's Going to watch for Moraine, for Avienda to come on back. After some time passes, he actually suggests to the Wise Ones, you know, I could go back down in there and see if I can find them. They're like, what? Malaine, the Wise One, explodes. She's like, that would surely kill you. What are you thinking? And he counters, well, why would you even care if I died? I mean, apparently my presence is going to destroy the Aiel. Bear steps into that conversation and shares a key thing that no one else has told him yet. She explains that the prophecy of Ruidian is more than what Rand currently understands. Yes, he's going to bind them. Yes, he's going to destroy them. But they also know this is the lesser of two evils. Without him doing his role... The Aiel are destined to be completely wiped out. That's rough. They may not even make it to the last battle. Yeah, that's not good. The key line of their prophecy reads like this. He shall spill out the blood of those who call themselves Aiel as water on sand, and he shall break them as dried twigs. Yet the remnant of a remnant shall he save, and they shall live.
0: So he'll save like three of them. (laughs) No, that would be a remnant of a remnant of a remnant. We're not going that gotcha. far. Gotcha, so at least
1: seven. Yeah, at least. Bear admits, that's a hard prophecy, but we are a hard people. And that's hope. Eventually, they do see someone returning from Ru- Ruidian. It's Avienda. He's glad to see her, even though he knows she really doesn't like him.
0: <laughs> yeah, not so much. But her dislike makes sense. Why does he think she doesn't like him? as far as you can tell is kind of all tied up into that Elaine mess. Yes. And she's friends with Elaine. She
1: thinks he hasn't treated Elaine, right? So, you know, don't like it. But when she sees him, she freezes in place and her stare at him could, could have burnt him to ash. And it dawns on him. Oh yeah. She's seen those visions. Now she knows what I truly mean as he who comes with the dawn and is going to wreck things now. So she's got brand new reasons to hate him. Okay. She knows things. Yeah. The wise ones, they scurry out. They gather her up, take her into the tents. And the next time we see Avienda, she's dressed like a wise one. And she hates it. <laughs> she's not happy to be wearing these clothes. But the hate for the clothes seems minor when she notices Rand watching her and the fury in her eyes at him. It's like, oh. And he's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go this way. I'm going to look at something else. Whew. As the day draws to a close, they finally see Moraine returning as well, clearly exhausted. At her end, Lan runs down, picks her up, carries her back to the tents. And Ran's greatest thought is relief. Not that Moraine's back, but that that's three days saved. They might have had to wait three more days, and now they don't have to wait anymore.
0: Now they can leave tomorrow.
1: Time is everything. Matt asks, OK, so uh, what do you plan next? And Rand's answer makes him s- makes me smile. Something you should like. I'm going to break the rules. Now, I also chuckle when I look at the text and I see Rand say, no, 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 Matt, what are you going to do next now? You want some food? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matt's very practical. He's hungry, always is. What is Rand going to do next? We're not going to talk about today. That's a different chapter. Mm. This is where this one stops. But we do still have another chapter today. We do. It's shorter. Much shorter. Chapter 35 is called Sharp Lessons. And we're jumping over to Egwene's POV.
0: <clears throat> She's got some learning to do. Where did that come from and why? Don't ask. Just don't ask. What's Except the, I have to ask. Because I see it in the notes and I saw it in the notes. Written as a planned thing you were going to do. <laughs> and I don't get it. I just why
1: it just made sense to me perhaps because she's being stupid we open with Egwene being stupid in Teleron Riyadh
0: keeping her word and also breaking it
1: she's in the heart of the stone to meet with Elaine but there's a problem
0: What's the problem with her being here, Zach? Well, she said she was going to meet them and do this regularly, and so she's keeping her word. But the part where she's breaking it is she told the Wise Ones she's not going back into tell around Riyadh until they give her permission that she's safe enough to do it. Right. And she did not get that permission yet. <sighs>
1: nope. Now, there's a moment of humor at the initial part of the chapter because when Egwene arrives, Elaine doesn't notice her. Elaine's already waiting there. But Elaine at that moment is dressed as a sea folk woman dresses at sea. And Egwene is quite surprised. Mm -hmm.
0: Why would she be surprised at the way Elaine's dressed? What's wrong with the way Elaine's dressed, Zach? Well, we're going to start with the less obvious and say she's wearing pants. Then we're going to move to the more obvious and say that that's the only clothing she's wearing. Uh, She's completely bare chested. And it's likely there's some piercings here and there as well. Yes. It's uh, definitely an interesting look on Elaine. Mm-hmm. When Egwene makes
1: her presence known, Elaine gives a little leap of shock, and as she comes down out of that leap, she's instantly wearing more modest, appropriate clothing, covering everything as she would more regularly wear. And she explains right away, I was trying out the sea folk style just to see how it felt. I mean, it's not like I could ever go around like that in the real world. And Egwene asks, so how did it feel? Oh. <laughs> and Elaine's like cold actually and also kind of like people are always looking at you that's kind of how i felt which she chuckles is kind of funny for poor tom and julian out with us on the sea folk ship because half the time they don't know where to look because half the crew are these half naked women <laughs>
0: remind us of where elaine is and they are where she and nine are headed Aboard a Seafolk Raker heading towards Tanchico, the city where they hope to find some Black Aja that they can hunt down and capture. Yes.
1: Now, this moment is the first Egwene hears that Tom and Julin were with Elaine and Nynaeve. She knew Elaine and Nynaeve went on the mission. But uh, they're with you? How'd that happen? And she learns that while Moraine sent Tom along, Rand arranged for Julin to go. Okay. Elaine asks, speaking of Rand, how's he doing?
0: And Egwene gives a full report and everything we've covered in these past chapters. And it's absolutely tinted with Egwene's perspective of him being a, uh, a stubborn, mule-headed fool, not listening to the wise ones, and all And
1: that. also, at the very end of it, concern at how hard he's become. hard As hard as Ruark and Lan, maybe even harder... And Elaine, her reaction to that is not what Egwene wants. Nope. She's like, of course he is. Rand is a king. And a king must be hard to do what is needed for the people. Because sometimes that even means decisions that will hurt people. You have to be hard
0: enough to make those kind of decisions. In this circumstance, Elaine understands the difficulties that Rand is kind of ah, trying to force himself through. While Egwene is still looking at the farm boy she grew up with and wanting that Rand. Yeah,
1: Egwene does not care for Elaine's perspective at all. She's like, well, we're going to differ on that one. Uh, they talk about the revelation that some of the wise ones can channel. You know, Egwene has learned the wise ones find every last woman who has that spark in them. The ones that in the wetlands often turn into wilders. It's like, no, 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 we find them all. No one suffers a wilder's fate, no one dies from channeling sickness. They also find all the men who can channel. Mm -hmm. What do they do with the men who can
0: channel? They go uh, try to 1v1 the Dark One. Yes, up they go. Or at least they run up to the Blight and the Blasted Lands Beyond and try to take out as many Trollocs and other shadow spawn as they can before eventually they succumb themselves.
1: Yeah, they're never seen again. They go out fighting. Egwene also shares the information that Avienda is one of those women with the Spark who can channel. And Elaine's like, of course, I should have realized it as soon as I recognized the kinship I was feeling for Jorin. And then's like, crap, I promised her I wouldn't say anything. And my first Elaine. opportunity to talk to someone, I blabbed it out. And he's like, all right, well, I guess talking to you, you're like a sister, you'll keep it secret. Okay, here's the deal. Seafolk have people who can channel too. I'm sure Egwene will keep it secret. Keep it secret, keep it safe. Egwene is struck by... Huh, Aes Sedai have to swear the three oaths and be bound by the oath rod so that people will trust them. And still, they have to move in secret, as it often is not, because people don't trust them. But here are two different groups of women now who channel and have no oaths, but they are honored amongst their people. They have honored places in society. Something's different,
0: something to ponder it kind of feels like it's not that hard to figure out what it is that's different because we've met people from all of these groups and seen how they interact in their societies. Maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like you could kind of see why people don't trust to Die, but do trust other respected channeling leaders. Yeah, I think so, but Egwene hasn't figured this out yet. Not so much.
1: Elaine shares the belief that the Amir have decided Rand is the Koromor. Someone prophesied for them. She also says, and they believe the Aes Sedai are serving Rand, and I I haven't corrected that (laughs) misconception. But she does think as soon as they have enough time to spread the news of Rand being the Koromor, all the sea folk will be ready to do whatever he says. Yeah. I'm sure that'll happen. Yeah. Egwene shares, okay, it's been great to connect on all of this, but I need to get out of Teleron Riyadh now. I've already been in too long tonight. Don't worry if I miss our next meeting. I mean, just keep coming at our scheduled times. I'll be here when I can, but there are things going on. I may be too busy at times. I'll, I'll rejoin when I'm able. So they try to wrap up the conversation, but Elaine has one more thing. She looks over. Remember, they're in the heart of the stone and Calendor, just like in the real world is here driven down into the stone and she says to Egwene why did he do that was he mad about something why might she think he might have been mad
0: well she's got kind of got it in her head especially because it was her first thought when she witnessed the event from afar uh, without knowing exactly what it was that perhaps the second of her letters that ripped him a new one caused him to rip a <laughs> new hole in the Stone of Tear. Yep. She's been
1: worried about it, stressed about it. Her whole purpose is to help Rand fall in love with her.
0: Did she misstep? Did she screw up? Granted, there's a little piece of her that does hope that it is because of her. Because it means he cared enough mm. and got that upset by it. But before Egwene can fully
1: answer and they process all of this, Egwene gets yanked out of the dream. She's suddenly back in her tent, on her bed, and finds Amis sitting cross-legged beside her. And she, Egwene, she's like angry. Did you do that? Why did you do that? And the reaction she gets is, yes, I did that, And and with the power, She feels herself grabbed by her ankles and yanked up in the air, hanging upside down. Her shift falls to her armpits. It's like, what the heck? And Egwene reaches for Sidar and can't. She's blocked. There's a shield. Amis is chastising her for being an ignorant pupil. Entering a den of vipers without even a care of one might be waiting for you. And at that moment, a Amis starts transforming right before Egwene's eyes. Skin becomes scales, mouth elongates, sharp teeth, stretches open, reaches forward to bite Egwene's face off, and Egwene shrieks in terror and wakes up again, clutching at her blankets, blankets screaming. Or did she wake up again?
0: Is this still a dream? Is this,
1: is she awake? And there's a Amis. Still sitting there, cross-legged in the shadows, but this time glowing with Sidar. Egwene again, reaches for the power and still
0: finds herself blocked. Shielded. What just happened? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep throwing that in there because technically the terms are different.
1: Which which what?
0: Blocked versus shielded. But it says blocked in the book. Her way to it is blocked, but she is shielded. Yeah. Just because blocking is a thing that naive has to deal with. Egwene does A block. A block versus being blocked. Anyway, Amis apparently, in some way, shape, or form, thrust Egwene into a nightmare of her making. Yes.
1: Egwene's angry. You have no right to do this to me, Amis. But Amis says, I have every right. You broke your word. Mm -hmm. Again,
0: what word? That you would not be entering Telerun Riyadh without the express permission of the wise ones who were training you to do so safely. What proceeds is rather entertaining.
1: Egwene, she tries to control the situation. Amis is not having this. You might be an Aes Sedai on the other side of the Dragon Wall, but here you are a student. In fact, you are a child. You do not know anything yet. And she insists on Egwene making an explicit promise not to return to Teleron Riyadh again without permission. If you don't make this
0: promise, I will not teach you anymore. Because believing that Egwene is full Aes Sedai, fully bound to her word with the Oath rods, she's not planning to give any sort of room to wiggle out of these words, to twist them into a way that suits her.
1: And not only that, she also drives home a punishment. You will need, if I'm going to keep teaching you, you are going to need to braid your hair. And Egwene's like, okay, I mean... We do that in the two rivers. And she's like, no, you're going to need to put pigtails. We'll find some ribbon to put them through just like little girls do. You are acting like a child. And until you can prove that you are ready to behave like an adult, you're going to wear braids in your hair. And Amese pushes her a bit. And Egwene, she realizes, I am not going to be able to control squat here. And if I want to learn, I'm just going to have to fold. So internally, not on
0: board doesn't like it at all. Egwene's picked, but she's aware she overstepped, and she can't get out of this without just acquiescing. So she tells Amis,
1: yes, fine, I promise, all that stuff. Amis does make one concession, finally. She says, I will accompany you into the dream when you need to meet with your friends there. So acknowledges, okay, you may have other commitments you need to keep. You may have
0: other obligations, things you've said. You have so to keep your word. when you have word. to, I'll go with you. Make it Don't safe go without me. Enough. Amis then highlights, okay, now you're
1: training. You think what we've been doing for you has been hard. No, we're taking it up a whole nother notch because you are powerful in the dream. We don't deny that. You may be more powerful than any of us who are teaching you, but we know things you don't. And so you've got to let us teach you. If you don't let us, you'll never reach your potential.
0: Yeah, I like to think of it as trying to uh, work a power washer when the only thing you've ever used in your life is one of those sprayers with the mist setting. <laughs> You're just going to hurt yourself. Now,
1: Egwene, thanks, sir, for still being willing to teach and, in fact, for pushing her harder because she says, I'm afraid we're running out of time. I have to learn as fast as possible. And Amisa agrees. Yes, time may be short. And in fact, that's part of why I'm here right now. There's women's business for us to discuss tonight. I came to collect you to be part of the conversation. And and now we're late because of this silliness and Teleron Riyadh you were doing. So come on. All right. So she grabs a blanket around herself. Followers are out of the tent where it's really cold. Again, desert, night, cold. Deserts do that. And they reach another tent. And Amis starts taking her clothes off and tells her, do the same. So now they're stripping naked out in the Mm -hmm. freaking cold. Mm -hmm. But once the clothes are off, they duck into the tent and instantly sweat pops out of every pore. It is a, well, it's really hot in there. She finds a number of women, including Moraine, Avienda, all the other wise ones. They're all sitting around this large iron kettle filled with sooty stones. And Avienda occasionally scooping water onto it. Steam all over Basically, what is this tent? It's a sauna. Yes. And they're all wonderfully hot and sweating and cleaning out the pores, and it's very relaxing. Why are they here? They've come to discuss what to do about Rand. Equipment's partly, what do you mean, what to do? I mean, he's the one that was prophesied. They're like, yeah, 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 we know that. And
0: let's put that to the side and now worry about what we're going to do about him.
1: In order to help our people survive, we need to help Rand. And to help Rand, we need to know what Rand's going to do. He needs to be guided. He doesn't know Aiel at all. He could do things that'll totally blow up. Even though he's supposed to do them, he'll do them the wrong way. The Aiel won't support them. And then too many of the Aiel won't accept him and they'll end up dying. This is about preserving the Aiel. We have to find a way that they don't look at Rand and see a wetlander. He needs to become more ideal somehow. Good luck. And somebody's got to be close enough to him so that he maybe will share what he's thinking, what he's going to do. So we can have some advanced information, prep
0: the clan chiefs, try to keep everybody on board. We can't help him if we're in the dark. So what I'm hearing is we need to teach him and spy on him. And they already do this all the time, by the way. This is how they handle the clan chiefs. Mm -hmm. This
1: is how they try to help The ideal is a people do well together. So they ask Egwene, could you serve as the one who's close to him to know what he might be thinking to do and kind of keep us in the loop? And she's like, nah, I don't think that would work. He does not trust me like he used to. No. Moraine speaks up. I'll try to do what I can, but likewise, he doesn't tell me what he's thinking. Not a thing. I don't have a lot of influence on him right now. He's weaving the pattern to his own design. So the wise ones decide they're going to assign the task of getting close to Rand to Avienda, their newest pupil. I'm sure she loves that. They tell her, you'll meet him when he comes out of the tent each day, and you'll stay at his side until he goes to the tent at night. Yes, you have to train as a wise one, but that'll have to come in second. This is too important. We just need you to stay close to Rand, talk to him, more importantly, listen to him. And they say this specific quote, few men will send away a pretty young woman who listens to them. And Avienda spits out, I will not. <laughs> Silence. The wise ones are like, you're our newest apprentice and you are telling us no? That was a uh, interesting outburst. <laughs> this is not what happens. They They have no understanding of why she's reacting this way. Avienda thinks she, or Egwene thinks she does. She says, Avienda, no one's asking you to betray Elaine. Just just talk to Rand. And Amis demands to know, what reason? You know, why would you resist this? Avienda just says, I don't like him. I hate him. Hate him. She's so vehement, even Egwene is shocked. It's like, what? The wise ones respond, basically, we don't care. Yeah. We're not asking you to love him. We're not even asking you to sleep with him. Just
0: listen to him. And at and, the end of the day, they're not asking. Yeah, you will obey us. They're telling, and you will, you'll, you're will. you going to do it. Now, Egwene tries
1: to coax Av- Avienda into it, while the wise ones start loudly discussing punishments they'll heap upon Avienda until she does what they say. Egwene is the one who succeeds. She references Elaine again. Says, you promised to look after Rand for Elaine. What better way to do that than by staying close to him and reminding him as opportunities come up of what Elaine has said. Navienda concedes, okay, I'll do it for Elaine. The wise one's are like, ah, no, girl. You're gonna do it because we said so. If you want to <laughs> cling to some other reason, oh, we'll whip that out of you pretty quick. You're doing it because we said so. The chapter concludes with the comment that they can simply now that the business is done Take some time to relax and enjoy the steam and silence. (sighs) Have you ever done a sauna, Zach? Uh,
0: Yes, though personally, I've kind of uh, relatively recently found the joy of like a steam shower. It it gets the same effect, but it's a little more personal. And to me, Dream Home, the shower is going to also have a spout for a steam shower. Because why not? Okay. Am I ever gonna be able to afford that? Probably not, but maybe. (laughs) Someday, I have done saunas,
1: not for a long time, because I don't like them. You get sweaty and gross. (laughs) You are not
0: supposed to do them for long times. Yeah, don't need it, don't miss it. (laughs) I will say I do enjoy a certain level of almost historical accuracy to this idea of the sweat tent. They don't reference it, I think, in this chapter exactly but there's a tool for, like, scraping off the dirt and sweat. Yeah. Real thing that historically was done.
1: All right, well, this chapter wraps up then. We've had that silence for a while, and then Egwene, who's sitting next to Moraine, she quietly asks her about Ruidian. And we learn that what Moraine learned, the visions she had, they're actually fading. They're mostly gone. But she's left with a few nuggets. One is that it reinforced some of the things she already knew. Mm Mm-hmm. And it revealed her to her some other truths that are a little harder to take. But they all connect with the fact that she's already given her life to finding the dragon reborn and having him ready for the last battle. So what's got to be done is going to get done. She will do whatever it requires.
0: And that's the end of the chapter and the end of the episode, except for our spoiler room. So if you're a first-time reader... Thank you for listening or watching, and we will see you next time. But now is your chance to hop on out before we spoil things from later on in the series. That's right. And again, first time readers, we definitely invite you to look at the show notes. Find all the
1: ways you can connect with us. We'd love to know you more and talk more with you about this stuff and about other sci-fi and fantasy you enjoy. Find us on Discord, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram check out our merch shop, and even consider seeing what we offer on Patreon as extra ways you can be connected with Fantasy for the Ages. But until we talk to you on the next episode you listen to, we'll just say we'll talk to you later. So. So. Where are we going? The
0: spoiler room. All right. Let's roll. Yes. we got to decide who gets to spoil first today. It's not my best roll, but it's definitely not my worst. Well, I got an eight. I get to go first with a 13 then. Yes, you do. And I'm actually going to go for something that I don't think you were going to go for. All right. So I think you're going to be okay. What you got? I want to talk about Avienda here. Yeah, I didn't have that as either one of my options. So go for it. Because she comes out of Ruidian and she just has this hatred for Rand. And he ascribes it to she's seen things. She knows things. I don't know that we ever get full confirmation, but I'm pretty sure this is the moment while in Ruidian that she saw she's probably going to end up in love with him. I believe you're correct. And there will be something there. And so what she's so angry about is not actually being angry at him, but rather seeing him feels like slapping her honor in the face.
1: Yeah, because she's committed to protect him, to watch over him for Elaine.
0: And now she's seen she's basically going to completely go against that. And she's like, no, no, I will hate him. I will keep him as far away. I won't betray Elaine. I won't betray my word. I'm better than that. It's not going to happen. He's terrible. He's awful. No. And pretty much the entire rest of their interaction until we get to a certain point is you see these little nuggets of moments where it's almost it's almost really endearing seeing her actually develop feelings for him if you pay attention, mm-hmm. but hating it and resisting she it doesn't want every to, she step does. of the way, yeah. I think is really cool. And this is exactly when she finds out because we saw, we know the test thing she had to go through and experience was something like the accepted test. The terra Grials were right. described similarly. Rand is, uh, Jordo put this in Discord. Rand is assuming she saw the same thing he did. And that's likely
1: not true. Which is not true. That's what she would see the second time she'd come to
0: Ruidian. That's when wise ones However, this time, she would have seen, likely, some kind of possible situation. And if we're basing it off of the eyes to die, something that represents past, present, and future.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: All right, good spoil. Yeah, that was not what I was going to do. Now,
1: mine, I have to pick which of the two I want to spoil. I'm going to go with my first one, though. So, Janduin, he gets killed by some dude that looks like Shail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got killed by Slayer, mm-hmm. Lord Luke, who's actually Tigraine's brother. We learned that when she disappeared and nobody knew where she went, and of course, that's because of Katara Moroso's prophecy, she mm-hmm. had to disappear without a word. He also
0: left. His job was to protect her. She's gone. He just leaves. Well, and I think it goes a step further. I think he was given a prophecy too. And so he left then following that as well.
1: I'd have to double check that, but he wasn't prophesied to go now work for the bad guys. That's not how those prophecies work. Yeah. But he may have needed to leave. I don't
0: leave. think prophecies necessarily differentiate between something being actually Jordan or bad, saying and just necessary. Her
1: prophecy sent him to the Blight.
0: Yes. But he could have done other stuff. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it did it, but it set him on his path in that direction. He did have a prophecy that he followed. And he ends up, yeah, becoming
1: merged with Esam, created into something totally different, and he kills Janduin. So, Rans uncle yeah kills his father
0: i'm really curious dang did that happen pre or post slayer creation yeah i don't think we
1: have any indication of that i don't know that we do but i really want to know Hmm. i would like to think it's after he's slayer because if he's just t brother up there why would he do that or why would he even have the power to do that why wouldn't he kill aiel he all he did was stab because it's not like the other aiel just stand stood by and let a guy kill their guy i mean he must have had some overwhelming ability and
0: force to pull that off that's my opinion i do also want to make a slight caveat to something you had said there that her brother slayer lord luke all these things however yes and no because slayer's face is this face but lord luke's face is esam looks like land face correct
1: no no because the lord luke face is the one that looks like shail and an andoran lord esam is the one that appears in the
0: in the world of dreams. okay i never remember which way i know perrin makes the comparison of kind of looks like land and i never remember if that's in the world of dreams yeah. or if that's in the two rivers which time he makes that thought that's referenced that very first time when he sees him when he's in the wolf dream okay yeah, my mistake then but I just I can mix those up partially because I don't think of them really as two separate it's just two separate for the sake of our characters not knowing they're the same
1: and Tigraine's brother has a name Jordo is saying his name actually was Luke I didn't remember if that's true or not but Jordo is saying yeah Luke is Luke and he had the cojones not to change his name
0: <laughs> I'd have to look that up nobody would remember it especially not in the two rivers <laughs> that's very true Yeah.
1: <laughs> alright that's what we'll wrap up then for today thank you for being with us again all those things we said before about connecting wa- with us discord twitter etc even our email we would love hearing from people so thanks for being with us connect with us in other ways come back for our next episodes be sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything and we'll talk to you next time